Welcome to the Fit Money Podcast, where we'll discuss something we all need through our entire life, financial literacy, but also asking the tough question, why aren't students learning it? Financial literacy is more than the math and a behavior we'll need beyond the classroom. So we're learning how we can help students, families, and teachers build a new generation of financially fit students everywhere. Today, FitMoney Executive Director Jessica Peltier is joined by Megan Dwyer, a certified financial planner and host of the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Megan's on a mission to empower women to take control of their money and make confident financial decisions. Together, Jessica and Megan discuss why logging onto our bank can be so intimidating, how we have these conversations with kids, and how you, by the end of the episode, can feel better approaching your own financial well-being. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Likewise. I get so excited when we have people on the show that are just as passionate about financial literacy as we are here at Fit Money. But we have so much in common beyond that. I know you're a mom of, of two young boys, uh, and so that in, in and of itself is a, is a special place. Um, but tell me about, I know you have this really fantastic podcast called Money Isn't Scary. Uh, tell me about what made you want to start that podcast. Yeah. So thank you, first of all, for that opportunity. I am a, a mom to two little boys. They're seven and five right now. I am a certified financial planner. That's my day job. And um, I started a podcast about three years ago, and it was smack in the middle of the pandemic when I was struggling, like I think a lot of people were. Um, my boys were three and one at the time, something like that, four and two. And I was working full time from home. My husband had lost his job. And so I was the breadwinner. I had all this, I felt like I had all this pressure on me. And I realized that I was spending a lot of money um, with on on things that I didn't need, right? I was buying shoes when I <laughs> had nowhere to go, right? I was buying cl- like all this stuff. And I realized that it was a little bit of, um, it was an outlet for me and it was a way to sort of kind of fill a void that I didn't really want to address and deal with. And so I realized through this process, I've always been very, um, interested in psychology and human behavior. And I always say, if I could go back and do life all over again, I would study mm-hmm. that in school and I'd be a therapist. I started a podcast, this podcast to marry those two things. So it was a kind of the two passions that I had, but also help other women and moms know that they're not alone. Because if I was feeling it, I know other people were too. And especially around money. This is a topic that is so taboo and and we're taught, right, not to like it. We're taught not to talk about it because it's, you know, rude or there's so many cultural implications of of talking about money, right? And perceptions around it. And so I wanted to kind of turn that on its head and I wanted to help other women feel like they're not alone and and we're in this too. And guess what? Yes, I went to school for this. I have you know, now whatever, 17 years experience in this industry. And I screw up too. And I make mistakes and I'm right there with you. So I want other women to know that they're not alone. You hit on so many things just in that answer. I think the first of which, which speaks to me a lot is that normalizing 
what people are feeling uh, around their their money issues, their their relationship with money, um, because I think that we do often feel kind of in a silo. We do feel like we're in our own little world with our with our budgets and our our expenses, and we can't really talk about it to to our neighbors and to our friends um, because of this long standing tradition, like you said, of it's it's not proper. Um, what is the way that we just change that? I mean, we have done really well in our society about talking about health, you know, talking about illness and, and bringing people into your support group. What is the way that we can really get past that barrier? Because we do need that community. We do need to learn from our friends and neighbors. Absolutely. I think the connection piece is the biggest part of this, right? And and knowing that somebody else is in this with you and you are not alone, right? Mm-hmm. And so through this kind of personal development work that I've done, I mean, the podcast is very much a um, not a financial advice, financial guidance show. I do that all day long and that's the last thing I want to do. I want to share with you the journey that I'm on. Like, let's do this together, right? I have learned that our relationship with money is parallel to our relationship with ourselves. And so this has been a massive self-awareness journey for me. And so what I encourage women to do is, especially moms, right, is um, hop off the proverbial treadmill, as I call it, for a little mm-hmm. bit. Just take mm-hmm. a hot second and just slow it down and actually tune into what's going on, right? What are those feelings? We need to pay attention to our emotions. A lot of times we feel like uh, we've been taught that emotions are something that we should just brush aside or, you know, we're too emotional, which means we're not rational and all this stuff. But no, I really think our emotions are telling us something and they're leading us in the direction that we need to go, whether that's learning something new about ourselves or, you know, whatever it, whatever it could be. So we need to just slow down and recognize that there's what's going on underneath. What are our values? What are the things that matter to us? Who do we want to be in this world, right? Like what are the, what are our ultimate kind of goals? And then we can sort of like back into the short, the short term steps from there. But I really think that tuning out all the noise and turning inwards is essential to this process. So that's like the biggest thing. And then we have to connect with ourselves and ask ourselves some really deep questions that maybe we've never asked ourselves before, right? And we start to challenge some of those beliefs um, that we have. Like I have this belief that keeps coming up. It's been, you know, at least 30 years now, of me telling myself that I'm stupid over and over and over and over again, right? Because of something that, you know, maybe I learned as a kid, but those, those beliefs are not fact. So it's learning to dissect those beliefs and challenge them. And, and that's how we kind of move through it. And we're taught, I think also that money shouldn't be emotional, right? We should make decisions based on fact and calculations and whatnot, but from what you're saying, you know, that that is couldn't be furthest from the truth. Yeah. It, it is a, a very emotional relationship because it, it does, you know, there are things we see our, our friends and neighbors purchase uh, that maybe we are not able to. Um, and so we, we feel a, a sense of guilt, you know, or, or, you know, kind of that jealousy, which is never a good thing or or maybe the opposite. You know, we, we can buy things um, because things are going well and and the others around you can't. So it is very emotional. And, and how do you talk to your, uh, your clients in your day job, but even as, as uh, your kind of advice and guidance for, for parents and moms, you know, 
how do we convey that that it is okay to to have those emotions when you're when you're making money decisions? Yeah, I know you're absolutely right. Like everything about it is personal, right? It's it, how we earn, mm-hmm. right? How we earn our money is important to us because that reflects, um, I think, fulfillment and um, happiness, right? Of there's a lot of that factored in. Mm-hmm. Same with how we spend it. Um, and being intentional around how we, with how we spend it. So I think that's really, that's where I've kind of focused on a lot of it is with intentional spending and in, in mm-hmm. using our dollars in alignment with what matters to us. But the first step to that is recognizing what those values are, right? And I was just, just did a mm-hmm. workshop last week and it was, it was on that. Like I challenged these women to just take a look, just look at your spending, look at your statements, just see what you spent your money on in the last couple of weeks and say, Hey, is this in alignment with what my priorities and my values are what even and 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 if you don't know what those are mm-hmm. let's figure out what those are there's all kinds of exercises out there with like personal values exercises where you can start with you know 30 things and you circle 10 and then you narrow it down to like 3 or 5 and i think those can be time consuming but i think they can also be fun and they can tell us a lot about ourselves because we're different now mm-hmm. than we were 5 years ago right especially as moms mm-hmm. right our kids are constantly changing we're in a diff- we're to- in a totally different place i had littles like very littles 5 years ago and now they're kids and so the the goalpost has sort of changed and the priorities have changed. And so I think to, we just need to know that we need to recognize that we're constantly changing and just check in with what matters to us today. And if, and is our, is how we think and act and behave and use our dollars and spend our, spend our time and our money and our resources aligned with what's important to us. That's, that's so crucial. I think it, it is so emotional. And, and there are so many people out there that, that really have that, uh, that joy when they click buy or check out. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we we've all seen the 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 brown packages that arrive on the doorstep and and sometimes we don't even get as much satisfaction opening the box as we did just actually making the purchase two days yeah. before. Yeah. It's a dopamine. Right, exactly. I, I mean I love I think it's so important for us to talk about it. I think there there are so many societal things going on. I mean advertising is everywhere whether it's on our phones, you know, billboards, televisions, et cetera. Let's talk about that with kids. How do we think that type of environment today, and we know that our kids are probably more on screens than ever before. I know after the pandemic, we're trying our best to get them back out into the fresh air. But I find, you know, my kids are just slightly older. I've got a nine and a 13, and they'll come up to me and and ask for things that I don't even know how they know exist. And then I think about it, of course, it, it was it was pushed to them. It was an ad somewhere. You know, how do you think we as parents can navigate that um, as our kids are starting to come up in that kind of over-purchasing society? Yeah, I think the first thing there is to really have create the awareness for them that we're in this kind of capitalistic purchasing society, right? So you're just, the kids are just trying to watch a YouTube video, right? And they're going to get inundated with all these ads for things. But we need to let them know that that's the world we live in, right? You that ha- at least have them recognize, hey, I'm being kind of sold to right now. And again, I think that also aligns with starting to um, have the conversations with them around what matters to you. And, and what is important. And yes, I mean, you're totally right. Like as kids, especially when they get to kind of your kids' ages, they're concerned about 
how they compare to other kids. And if this kid has, you know, whatever the fancy shoes or the, this Nintendo switch game or whatever it is. Right. Um, but I think what's important to do for kids. And I wasn't taught this as a kid, of course, is to really un- to dig in, ask them, just keep asking them questions and dig into a little bit more of why. Like, what is it? What's There's always a feeling behind the thing. And what is that feeling that we're trying to kind of, that, that they're looking for? Is it is it that they just want to fit in? Is it that they like really care about video games that much that that's a big deal for them or that, or they like the, they want to dress nice? Like, what is it? And I think if we can have them source that rather than us kind of telling them, mm-hmm. that's the first step to the self-awareness piece there. There's always an opportunity for us as parents to, to model, right? So I think the way that we, um, act and the way that we 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 show how we um think and behave around money mm-hmm. is really important because a, at my kids age they are they're absorbing everything but at your kids age even they're starting to like it's clicking a little bit more and they're starting to understand that like what money is and what it's used for and how how um it impacts them so if we can start to maybe recognize how we act and how we behave and how we think about and talk about money in our household. That's massive. Also using positive language around it, which is so different than how I grew up and probably many other households out there, right? But instead of saying things like, oh, we can't afford that, right? That new Nintendo Switch game, or you have to have these sneakers instead of that sneakers, right? Maybe we say something like, well, we have to save up for that or that's not how we choose to spend our money, something like that, I think. But but changing the the language from something of like this, it's an automatic negative and scarcity to something that's a little bit more positive, like, hey, we can do that, um, is really, really beneficial no matter how old your kid is. I think that is such great advice. Um, if If anything... It teaches kids more that that money actually does have that value, like you said. You know, um, a lot of kids uh, under the age of kind of 13, 12, you know, are not working, <laughs> hope not. Um, and so they don't have that sense of earning. Uh, and so they don't sometimes realize how valuable, how hard earned that money is. And so I think that's a really nice way for parents to place that value system is to make it more a goal. And then I think what will happen as well, and I see this with my kids, they'll also have the time to really think about, is that really something I want? Um, I tell a story, and and if you'll let me, my young son, a birthday, got that kind of proverbial Target gift card and immediately wanted to spend Mm -hmm. it, you know, because it was just burning a hole. And so we went and he bought something immediately that I knew at the end of the day he did not want uh, because he had never talked about it before, but he just felt like I have the card, I need to use it. Um, But it it was a very low dollar, you know, less than $20. So it kind of let him make that mistake, uh, knowing that yeah. probably it was not something he really wanted, but to see him work through that exercise. And exactly as I thought, a couple days later, he thought, oh gosh, I kind of wish I had saved that for something bigger. I really didn't want that. So I think when you say, you know, we can get this switch, we can get those sneakers, but let's make a goal. Let's do it in three months. And so it lets them really earn that thing. Well, they see the value in it right. then, right? That they have to, that, that 
money just doesn't appear out of nowhere. <laughs> and, and, but it's also at the same time, not instilling this mindset of scarcity that I grew up with mm-hmm. either, right? That no, we can't have that. That's like, absolutely not. Right. But it's, it's kind of that balance. I'm so glad that you mentioned that story about your son and the mistakes, because one of the things I was going to add actually here is that as parents, of course, right, we want to do everything we can for our kids mm-hmm. and we want to help them and give them the best opportunities. But one of the things that's so important, I think, that we need to recognize is that we need to let go mm-hmm. and let our kids make mistakes because otherwise they're not going to see the value or the importance of it and how Mm -hmm. that impacts them, right? They're just going to be like, roll their eyes and say, oh, my mom won't let me do this. My mom and dad, whatever. But I think when they can create their own autonomy and that there's so much benefit to having them be able to make their own decisions, then they see the impact of those decisions. And I think there's that benefits them not only from a financial perspective, but all over life too. There's so many, so many good things that come from that. We had a guest on recently who really hit that point home when he said, you know, it's not so bad when you make a $50 mistake when you're 12, but when you make a $5,000 mistake when you're 18 with that first credit card, you know, that can really be life altering and that can really stick with you because what 18 year old can pay that off in one full swoop. And then as we know, the spiraling, you know, credit card debt that would just, you know, stay with you forever. So I really like that. I I love that idea of, you know, kind of letting them make mistakes, you know, letting them fall off the bike once or twice as they're learning, because they realize, you know, maybe it isn't so scary, kind of like circling back to the beginning of the conversation. It's it's not so taboo. It's not so scary. It's not so hard. Um, We just, it's trial and error and, and we're not perfect. And I think another thing you said about parents is, I think don't be afraid to be vulnerable. We don't have all the answers, you know? So if I make a financial mistake, um, if I buy something that maybe really wasn't the best use of, of, our, of, our, of our income, it's okay to say that. It's okay to be vulnerable yeah. in front of your kids. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons it, it, this is so hard for parents to talk about uh, with their kids. I think every parent wants their kids to be financially literate. Um, we all want the best for them. But I think so many parents out there think, well, I'm not really the best person to teach this, you know. So um, how do you how yeah. do you address that with the the folks that are either coming to you in your day job or or the folks listening to your your show? Yeah, I, I mean, I was just going to say, there's this story that so many women have that I'm not good at money, or I'm not good at I'm bad at money, or I'm not good at math, right? And that's something I have a whole episode actually specifically dedicated to that where I dig into it. But that is a story, Mm -hmm. right? That's a belief that you've carried around with you because maybe somebody told you at one point when you were in third grade that you're not good at math. And that's something that you kept with you. So it becomes this kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So the biggest thing we have, we can do, I'm learning as a parent Mm -hmm. is to challenge those beliefs. So anything, again, I told you about how emotions are so important because they lead us in the direction of that, that we need to go in. Well, yeah, those are the things. If, if money makes you cringe, just the thought of opening up your bank account or looking at, I actually, I was just working with a client or actually a prospect the other day who was like, I don't look at it. I just, I just don't like, I, 
I, it, it scares me too much. And I'm like, but that's the worst thing you can possibly mm-hmm. do is not look mm-hmm. at it. Because when we avoid, we continue to stay stuck in this cycle. And we don't want to teach our kids that because our kids are watching. Like I said earlier, they're absorbing everything. We need to lead by example. So we need to be brave enough to move through our own fears and our own anx- anxieties and discomfort mm-hmm. and do it not necessarily for us, but for them. That's what I say. That's what motivates me. I love that. I love that. Well, it sounds like you've alluded to the fact that this wasn't really a topic of conversation in your household growing up. Oh, no. <laughs> what really inspired you to um, join the financial industry and, and do what you do? Yeah, honestly, I needed a job out of college. And I graduated in 2005. 2005. So this was like right after, or this was pre um, financial collapse. And it was, um, I just, I just wanted a job. And I found that when I got, I got into a big financial institution and I found that when I got in there, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know nothing. I didn't know what a stock or a bond was. And I was just, I just, I was just curious. Mm -hmm. That's, I think the biggest thing is like, let's embrace that curiosity Mm -hmm. in our, like in ourselves and in the world around us. So I just said, Hey, I want to learn more. So I knew I didn't want to go down like the CFA investment path. So I was like, let me learn about this financial planning thing. And I can't tell you how much of a difference it made for me. I, I went from a girl who signed up for her very first credit card at a concert so I could get a free t-shirt, right? To like (laughs) now actually understanding, like understanding like how this all impacts um, like credit score and Mm -hmm. my ability to, you know, get a, get a house, a mortgage someday and all of this stuff. It's so interesting. Um, So I just was curious and I wanted to learn more. And then through that work, honestly, I just became so incredibly passionate about helping, um, women, educating and empowering women, because I saw so often that when you would have your kind of stereotypical male-female relationship and, you know, the client would come in so often um, it was like, you know, the, the man talking to the man in the room and the, the oftentimes the woman wouldn't ask the questions, whether she had them or not. And, and if she did ask the questions, I don't think they were answered in a way that she could fully understand. And and I started to kind of like, I was very interested in this and I was mm-hmm. I, in this kind of dynamic. And I just really wanted to explore more about how women think about money more, more than men do. And it's very different because, because men I think are, have this kind of more, um, strive for competition and, and like kind of the numbers and like beating the numbers and all of that. Whereas women are concerned about safety and security and just knowing that they're going to be okay. And so it's not necessarily, um, what the numbers are. It's, it's, what they represent and how you explain that to somebody, kind of how you get on their level and on their terms and make sure that they actually understand what this all means. So I just love that. I fell in love with that kind of work and, and specifically helping women. And that's why I decided to, to continue in this area and, um, and start a podcast specifically for women on it because I needed it. I could tell you I, that if I had this knowledge when I was a kid or when I was younger mm-hmm. and I was growing up, if my mom taught this stuff to me or, and um, 
modeled this kind of stuff for me, I'd be in a whole different place than I am now, right? I was, I came from a place of scarcity where we never talked about money, but it was like, wait till your father gets paid before we can, you know, get this anything, anything if I was out Mm -hmm. with my mom shopping or something. And I think a lot of households are like that. I think, or the, or were, and I want to change that. I want to change the way that we raise our kids and the next generation and the way that they think about money. Well, thank you so much for your advocacy. Thank you for helping all of the families out there. Uh, for those listening uh, to hear more, uh, money isn't scary, uh, which is so true. Uh, the more you know, uh, the more you can empower yourself to make the best decisions. Megan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for being here. It's such a pleasure. I love talking about this stuff. Thank you for joining us today on the Fit Money Podcast. Whether you're a caregiver, teacher, or student yourself, there's plenty of great K-12 resources to begin or continue your financial literacy journey at fitmoney.org. Visit the show notes for more from today's guest and financial literacy activities for the classroom, at home, or on the go. We'll see you next time. And until then, happy learning, earning, and saving. The Fit Money Podcast is presented by Fit Money, the leading K-12 financial literacy curriculum, providing free, unbiased financial literacy resources. All opinions, products, and references during the show are not endorsed by Fit Money and are solely opinions of the individual. Fit Money does not claim any responsibility for external resources referenced during the episode. All Fit Money products and episodes are provided for educational purposes and are not professional advice.